We've been talking about joy. Last week we talked about enjoying life, enjoying life. I encourage you, if you didn't hear that message, you need to hear it. You need to hear it a couple, three times and practice it. And today we're going to continue in our series. We call this series Joy, Life's Must-Have Ingredient. Life's Must-Have Ingredient. And as we continue with the series, you'll see why this is so vitally important and why it needs to be something that we act on in the Word of God. Your victory is tied to it. Your life is tied to it. Enjoying life is tied to it. Blessing is tied to it. And so we're going to continue. Today we're going to do a simple message. Man, I had this thing go in one direction yesterday and the Lord kind of landed me over here. And so we want to obey the Lord, don't we? Amen. And so I, I want to do what he wants me to do. I, again, I, I wanted to go one direction, but he pulled me back. And I think he just wants us to, to take, like we talked about, the parking lot. You know, eat it one bite at a time. We need to take slow, small bites, not just sit there and chew it down. You ever seen somebody excited to eat and they just, you're all excited about maybe what you made and proud of it, you know, and you want to hear something about it. And they just come in and inhale the thing in two seconds. And you ask, did you actually taste anything? My son would do that. He still does it. When he came back from the military after boot camp, man, you know, they only had so much time to eat. And he was like, he took eating seriously because he was probably burning, you know, six, 7,000 calories a day. So when he had the opportunity, bless God, he was going to eat. And he said he came in and he would come in. Sometimes they were the last bunch and they had about three minutes and he'd have a big old pile of food and he could consume it all in the three minutes. I remember when we were up there for the graduation, we took him out to eat. We're all sitting there enjoying our meal, and he's done. I mean, we just get the plates landed. He just said, thank you, done. He was happy. But praise God, I say slow down and enjoy life. Amen. Slow down, like we talked about last week. Slow down and enjoy life. But today, we're going to talk about joy and what is joy. What is joy so if you ask the average person we know, just the average person, what is joy? Well, most of them would probably answer, well, that's being happy or happiness. And some of them might say, well, joy is maybe another level of happiness. That would be extreme happiness or great happiness. But the fact is this, as we learned last week, being happy is based solely on our experiences based on circumstances. And that's very important to understand. For example, how we feel at the moment dictates whether we're happy or not. How we feel at the moment. Are things going well? Well, I might be happy. But when things are not going well, what am I? Unhappy. All right? I'm not happy. The moment things aren't going well, we don't feel happy any longer. We go from being happy to being sad or just the opposite of happy. Happiness is temporary. Our being happy again is based on how we feel at the moment. And how many of you know your feelings can change radically fast? I mean, you can be in one instance and be, woohoo, life is good, in the next minute, you don't want to say anything. All right. I mean, we can, I mean, over and over and over in life, things, good things happen. And then something bad happens. It doesn't even have to be something necessarily bad or something really good, but we can just be, I, I was really excited to go eat my favorite meal. And then I found out the restaurant was closed. So you were good one moment, all excited about it. And then 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? It may not be that. It could be shopping. It could be any number of things that you do in life that one moment you're good, one moment you're bad. Well, that's happiness. Now, I looked up in the dictionary, in the Webster's Dictionary, the definition of joy, just to see what it said. And it says this, joy is the emotion evoked by well-being, by success or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Let me just read that again just so you get it. The dictionary is defining joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, by success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. That definition just doesn't do it for me. It just isn't there. I don't believe joy is based on our emotions. I don't believe that. I don't believe that joy comes from success. I don't believe that joy comes from good fortune. I don't believe that joy comes from possessing what you desire. Honestly, the definition that we read sounds more like happiness. Why? Because happiness is temporary, and so is success. So is good fortune. So are those things. They're fleeting. They change. Let me give you an example. Let's say you got typical marriage, you know, husband and wife, and the wife happens to have a Friday off all day at the end of May. And it's kind of a yucky day. She's maybe trying to do some house cleaning, and it's, it's rainy and stormy out in the morning, and it's just not a nice day. But on top of all that, the, the family is a little low on money, so there's no extra. It's Friday. It's the weekend. She's got some time off, and there's just nothing extra. Well, a little bit later, early afternoon, uh, she's moving along, she takes a peek outside and notices it stopped raining and the sun started busting out. The clouds are beginning to fade out and it's just beginning to look like a nice, beautiful spring day and kind of brings a smile to her face. You know, that kind of cheers her up a little bit and she decides to go out to the mailbox. She goes out to the mailbox and opens it up, brings it back in there and she got a little pile, but the first piece of mail she notices says IRS and she begins to think, I know what this is. And she's thinking, a tax refund. And so she opens it up. Sure enough, it's the tax refund. And a bigger smile pops up because it's more than what she remembered that she was supposed to get. So it's a big, fat tax refund. And she's just ecstatic now. Man, life is really good. Now the sun is shining. It's a Friday afternoon. And I got a pile of money now. And so she's all excited. She calls her husband up and says, hey, honey, guess what? We're going to have some fun this weekend. Things are good. I got the tax refund, and it's more than what you and I remember. And so he's all excited. And so a little bit later, she gets dressed, you know, showered, cleaned up, and going to go have some fun with her husband. And she gets out in the car, and she's going to go ahead and make a deposit. And she gets in the car and, you know, to go deposit the newfound wealth. And and the car won't start. And finally gets to the point, nothing at all. Dead as a doornail. And her happiness is quickly fading. (laughs) And all of a sudden, this thought comes to her out of the blue. Well, I guess you know where the money's going, don't you? The money's going into the car. And her happiness just flew away. (laughs) Because things aren't working out like she wanted. What I'm trying to say is that is an excellent example of happiness. See, what happened? Listen carefully. Why did things change? Why did we go from one extreme to the other? Well, it's simply put, because her circumstances changed, it impacted her feelings. And therefore, she's happy one moment 
and sad the next. Really good, life is awesome, and then write down the life and you can fill in the blank, you know, there, how she feels about things. What I'm trying to say is this, happiness again is fleeting. Listen carefully, people who chase after happiness will never come to a place where they are happy. Now why is that? Because the moment they find happiness, something will always come along and take it away. Something always will. How many amens can I get on that? Something always does. One moment you're happy, and then something else happens, and the next moment you're not. And see, what we need to learn is that happiness is more of a feeling. It is an emotion. And our emotions are wonderful. What would life be if we were emotionless? We'd be like robots. But we need to understand that we cannot live our life based on our emotions. I can't live my life by my feelings. I can't make decisions by my feelings. Amen to that? What are we to do? We are to walk by what? By faith in God's Word, not by our feelings. We're to walk by faith, not by what I can see. We're to walk by faith, not by what I can feel. We're to walk by faith, not by what I hear. I'm to walk and trust God's Word. We need to understand feelings are good. Feelings are important, and it's good to have them. It's just like our senses. Aren't you grateful for the the sense of taste? Wouldn't life be awfully boring without it? I mean, you could live without it, but it's like everything tastes like nothing. It's just bland. You ever, you ever have your favorite food and you had a cold? And it's what? Nothing. It's just like I can't, it, it might as well be dirt because I'm not tasting any different. I cannot taste the layers of stuff. I can't taste the, the, the spice. I can't taste anything. Why? Because everything's goofed up in the system up here. And so picture life without the ability to taste something. It would really just stink. It's the same thing with sight. You can live without it, but sure is nice to have it, isn't it? There are certain things you get to behold. You know what I'm saying? You get to see the beauty of your sunrise and the beauty of your sunset. Just all the different things in life that you get to enjoy because of our senses. But again, I can't live by my senses. I can't let my senses dictate everything in my life. I can Listen to my senses. Aren't you grateful for the sense of pain when you come near heat? Yeah. I read an article the other day that this lady, she is in her 60s, and they just discovered she has some sort of weird thing in her body where she can't feel pain. She never felt pain in her life, ever. Not even anxiousness. That sense of fear you get when something's gone wrong or, you know, nothing. Her entire life. And she thought she was normal. She didn't know anything was wrong. I mean, she would go to the dentist and they would do amazing work on her and she wouldn't ask for nothing. I mean, most people would sit there and bawl and cry and she's wide awake in the middle of a surgery. She just thought it was normal. And then finally somebody discovered something's wrong with this woman. (laughs) They did a surgery on her hand that everybody is in massive pain when they're done. And she just... She just grabbed something and walked away like it was nothing. And the surgeon says, stop, you know, something's not right here. And so they were studying her. But the reality is, can you imagine going through your life without pain? Somebody said, well, that would be wonderful. Not really. She broke so many bones. Why? She didn't know a limit. She didn't know. I mean, she could take a hammer, smash, and just walk away. And her hand's just all (laughs) like this. And she doesn't, she's not aware of it other than something seems to be wrong here. 
And so she would go to the doctor, they'd fix her up. And she, so isn't pain a good thing? In that respect, I don't want pain because of sickness and disease, but I need a sense of pain so I don't do some stupid things, right? But so we need to understand all these things are good, but here's where you need to draw the line. You draw the line when your senses or your sight or what you hear come across God's word and it comes crossways. You've got to make a decision. Do I go with what my senses said, what I can see, what I can feel, what I can hear, or do I go by God's word? And that's where we walk by faith in his word. We trust his word, even though it seems to run crosswise with our senses. It runs cro- Everything in the world says, no, that's wrong. This is the way you should handle it. But God's word says, nope, do it this way. You have to make a decision. That's where you walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? So, again, happiness is one of these things that is not a bad thing, but we need to recognize it for what it is. On the other hand, joy is something else altogether. Joy is way beyond happiness. Joy is kind of hard to describe, as you'll see as I'm going through this, though. But I do believe this. Joy is tangible. Joy is something real. It's something eternal. It is something spiritual. And the Word of God has much to say about joy and the importance of it in our life. So let's go to this. What is the source of joy? Where does joy come from? Right? Because isn't that a good question? I mean, it would be interesting to where does joy come from? If it's not happiness, happiness is external. Happiness is my surroundings and what's going on around me that makes me feel good or bad. But joy is something completely different. The source of joy comes from the Spirit of God. It is a spiritual force. It is, I believe God is filled with joy. And I'll show it to you. That God is surrounded by joy. Psalm 1611 says this. If you want to write it down. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. Like this is the whole verse. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, I want you to stop right there and look at that. In your presence is fullness of joy. Everybody say it with me. In His presence is fullness of joy. Now, I want you to think about it. Is God everywhere all the time? How many would agree? He's God, right? He's, he's omnipresent. He is everywhere. Okay, You can go to hell and cannot escape the presence of God in general, Okay, the Spirit of God. But there's a difference between the presence of God in general and the presence of Almighty God. I'm talking about being near Him right there physically. Like if you went to heaven and got before the throne room. His presence. Now this scripture says, in your presence is fullness of joy. So what does fullness mean? It's what? The maximum amount, right? You get it? The maximum amount. There's no more. So where is joy found? Where's the source of joy? Joy comes from the Spirit of God. It comes from God. It, it emanates from Him. It is, and so if you're in His presence, what do you have here? Fullness of joy. Why? You're in His presence. And so wouldn't it be logical to assume that the farther I get away from Him... What's happening? Less and less joy. Everybody follow me? If in His presence is fullness, 
then the opposite must be true. Agreed? I mean, if we run away from God and we rebel, even though maybe we're born again and Christians, and we say, no, I don't want that, do you really think our life is going to be filled with joy? How many would agree that when you sin and you make a mistake and you hide from God like most of you do immediately, I don't really want to talk to Him. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm, I'm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You blew it and you, you feel ashamed immediately. You feel disconnected, right? Well, what it is is you broke fellowship with Him. You, you didn't break your relationship, but you disappointed things. You sinned. You missed the mark. And therefore, you have this disconnection temporarily. And what happens immediately to joy? It just kind of dissipates. It's just kind of like it's not there anymore. My old pastor used to say it this way, and I just want you to, to get this. He would say it was like the bird quit singing on the inside. It's like something's wrong. I don't feel as close to the Lord as I did. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So could we all agree that in His presence is where fullness is found? That means joy is coming from the Spirit of God. Now, let me take it one step farther because you don't just take a scripture and say, hey, let's just take this out of context. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 22 and 23 in the Amplified Bible. It just amplifies it. And I really like this because Galatians 5.22 says... But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Who's, what fruit? Of the, everybody say it, of the Holy Spirit. So the fruit, what is fruit? Fruit is what? A production of something, right? Right? An apple tree bears what kind of fruit? So how do I know the apple tree is functioning and all it's all's working well when it's time to, to produce? I can see what? Good apples you know that apple tree is producing well the holy spirit in us produces something okay the spirit of god when you became born again you became a new creation the spirit of god moved in your spirit he recreated you and moved in that's why the bible says that you are the temple of the holy spirit your physical body is the temple but your spirit is inside this temple all right, your temple, that physical body, and the Spirit of God is now one with you. The Spirit of God is in you. Now, with that understanding, look at this. It says, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes. Now, what's the one word we've seen in both verses? His, everybody, His, everybody, His. So are you noticing some continuity here? Is something about the presence of God and joy. There's something about the presence of God and joy. There's something about connecting the two. Okay, Now it's saying here, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence within accomplishes. So the Holy Spirit is in your spirit and He's doing things. He's working in your life. He's growing things. What we're reading in the fruit of the Spirit, guys, would be the characteristics of God, the nature of God, who He is. Well, the Bible says God is love, and these other things we see are characteristics of God. Well, if you're a born-again child of God, aren't you going to take on the nature of your Father? In other words, His DNA, His spiritual DNA is passed into you. Listen to me carefully. You have the same Spirit of God as Jesus does. 
It's, there's not many spirits of God. There is one Holy Spirit. Everybody got it? And we all got a piece. We all have a part. He can be in all of us at one time that are born again. And so that work which is presence within accomplishes. Now what does that work produce? What, what kind of fruit is produced with the Holy Spirit inside us? This is what it says. It says, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, faithfulness, gentleness, meekness, humility, self-control. How many would agree these are all good things? How many agree? You, you, yeah, don't you agree you need to grow in these things? I do. Now these seeds, so to speak, are already inside you. They're already there, and what you do is you mature and you develop in these things, all right? Now, here's the deal, though. What I'm trying to say is the Holy Spirit's presence inside your spirit is producing something, and what, one of the things He's producing is joy. Everybody say joy. Gladness. Gladness. That's what He's talking about. Gladness. Joy. There's something inherent about God with joy and it's inherent in your spirit it's there there's a joy fountain so to speak on the inside of you and it is not happiness it is joy everybody say joy say it again joy doesn't this feel good to say it it's just like we're just stirring it up and if we keep on doing it you'll start noticing something bubbling up on the in- that's joy it is supernatural It is not natural. It is supernatural. Amen? Now that word joy in Galatians is closely related to the word. I'm talking about the actual Greek word. is closely related to gladness. Gladness. Everybody say gladness. Gladness. Here's what I'm talking about. If you want to write this down, joy is more of a state of being than an emotion. Happiness is an emotion, and it goes up and down. Joy is like God. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Isn't God the same? Do you think God's moody? Now, do you think God enjoys a good laugh? I believe he does. We need to get rid of these sad pictures of Jesus. Remember, the, some of you might have seen that picture of Jesus laughing that we used to have at a lot of different places. We ought to get one. <laughs> we haven't had it since I've been here, but uh, that I know of, unless somebody took it. But we need to get another one. Amen. Why? Because that's how you need to see him. You think Jesus is enjoying life? How many agree? He is the ultimate of enjoyment. He is joy. Life is. It's again not happiness. It's not this thing that goes up because we heard good news. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. He's joy. You know what I'm saying? He does, whether it's a good situation or a bad situation, is he still on the throne? See, we base things based on how we feel, what it looks like, but not God. And that's who's in us. Everybody say joy. Now, joy, what we're saying here is, with what we're saying is joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Just like walking in love is a choice. Just like walking by faith is a choice. Just like by choosing what you think on is a choice. Joy is a choice. You have to choose. Am I going to be glad or am I going to be sad? 
I can look around sometimes in this room and I see both. Why? Why in the world would you ever want to be sad when you can be glad? Amen? Why would you want to be sad? Think about it now. You ever been around someone that's just a sourpuss all the time? Just always looking down. If you ask them what's going on in their life, you made a mistake. You're going to feel like I need a bath when I'm done. I mean, oh man. I mean, how can anybody be so low? Just Eeyore. Right? Everything. They're always looking for the bad and everything. I'm thinking, that's no way to live. That's no way to live. Everybody say joy. Amen. We want joy. It's a choice. Praise God. We can choose this. So much like we can walk in the love of God by choice, it's the same thing with joy. You can have joy. You can have gladness anytime, anywhere, anyhow. It's all up to you. In the worst of circumstances, and I'm going to show you over the next several weeks as we stay on the topic, I'm talking the worst of circumstances. And yet we see in the Bible that joy. Remember, what did James say? Count it all joy when various trials, temptations hit you. And everybody's like, Count it all joy when everything goes wrong. Exactly right. Why? Because I know my God is bigger than that problem. See, a, a believer who is sad doesn't really believe the Word of God. Did you hear what I said? A believer who is sad, who is depressed, doesn't really believe the Word of God. Because if he believes the Word of God, he knows God's still on the throne. Greater is he that has seen me than he that's in the world. I can't fail. I can't fail. Everybody say, I can't fail. See, you forget that and then you start to get sad. It's when you begin to forget the word of God and forget to rejoice in him, forget to be glad that all of a sudden depression looms over you. And some of you fight that. Some of you fight hard with sadness and depression. It's like a cloud that wants to come over you. No one cares about me. I mean, nothing ever works for me. Well, if you say so. But why don't you say, praise God, I'm a child of God. And God's good. He's still on the throne. He supplies all my needs. He keeps me healthy and strong. He's looking out for me. If one hair falls from my head, he knows about it. Amen? He's my God and he's looking out for me. See, Joy is a choice. It's a choice. Everybody say it's a choice. Amen. Now, joy, as we mentioned, is a fruit of the recreated human spirit. In other words, it's part of who we are. Why? Because the presence of God is in us. We're one with Christ. We're one with God in Christ. You can't separate us. And so joy is part of our life. When you received Jesus, joy was there. I remember the first time I received the Lord... In the natural, the first time I received the Lord, the one and only time I received the Lord. (laughs) I've had experiences with the Lord is what I meant. What I'm saying is when I received the Lord, I didn't have a lot up here, but there was something going in here. I didn't understand what was going on, but I couldn't rip the smile off my face. And it wasn't because circumstances changed. It wasn't because anything else happened. It's just something on the inside of me was there. And I knew. How do I know that I'm born again? I know that I know that I know that I know. Joy. Joy. I know it's there. Now, it's hard to describe. Why why is it hard to describe sometimes? Because how many would agree God is hard to describe? Well, what does God produce? Joy. It's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of an odd thing that I know the reaction, I know the, the sense, I know the, 
it inside me, but it's hard for me to describe it. It's hard for me to, it's just like knowing God's in me. See, right now, as I talk about it, as I stir it up like many of you, just something on the inside of me is stirred up. It's like I can sense it. And I'm telling you what, God is a good God, and He's a joyful God. Amen. Everybody say joy. So what we have here, when we say joy is a fruit of the Spirit, let me say this another way. Joy is a byproduct of having the Spirit of God in you. Joy is a natural result of being a true Christian. It is a mark of a Christian on the inside. Joy manifests when someone has received salvation, and it's with them forever. It's always there. Joy is a part of the believer's life regardless of the circumstances that may occur in his or her life. It's always there. But see, if we're always sad, is joy a choice? Would God force you to be full of joy? Is joy a choice? So even though the Spirit of God can be encouraging you, I could be encouraging you here on a Sunday morning, and there are people that just don't do anything. It's their choice. You can either be happy and sad, and I don't care what you think because I'm in love with God. And I am not ashamed of it. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I care what he thinks. And if that's how it's expressed, then that's how it's expressed. Or I can choose to be, no, I'll just sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else be happy. Well, no wonder you're so sad. You're just watching everybody be happy. Get in the game. Enjoy it. Amen? Remember when you were a kid and maybe you were intimidated about going in the pool and everybody else is having fun, but you're sitting on the outside you know, giving excuses or whatever. It, it doesn't have to be the pool, guys. It could be anything in life. But there were times you were on the outside wishing I could be on the inside. Well, join, jump in the pool. Amen. Jump in the joy pool. <laughs> All right. Listen, joy. Like I said, kind of hard to describe. To me, it's like this. It's like an inner well of life springing forth out of your spirit. Joy is really the life of God overflowing abundantly inside you, in your spirit. It is not on the outside. It is on the inside. And it manifests outward. Joy, as I mentioned, is not fleeting. Joy is there in the good times and in the bad. And and it has a purpose in our life. Joy will help us be victorious through the difficulties and challenges of life. And again, we'll get into more of that. Throughout the Word of God, though, there are other words that are used to help us understand joy. And again, joy is something that occurs on the inside that eventually is displayed on the outside. It's not fake. It's not something that that you're just trying to pump up to make happen. It's very, very, very real. Joy is related to these words, if you want to write some of these down. And these are literal descriptions out of like the Hebrew words that were used in the Old Testament or Greek words in the New Testament. They're words like joy, gladness, rejoicing, shouting. Everybody say shouting. Say it like this now. Shouting! See, shouting is in there. Now, some people say, I don't know why everybody has to shout when they're so happy. Because sometimes I just can't contain it. I just cannot contain it. And I just want to let it out. Now, it's got to be at the right time. Shouting in the middle of a funeral message probably isn't the best time. There's time and a place for everything. But what I'm saying is gladness, rejoicing, shouting, being cheerful. 
Are we supposed to be a cheerful giver or a sad giver? I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't want to be the only one not doing it. Well, God's not very impressed with that. But if you're a cheerful giver, Lord, it is my good pleasure to give to you. I'm excited. Why am I excited? Because I know his word's working. I know that the windows of heaven are open. I know that I cannot outgive him. I know that if I give, it's given back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over. I know that it will come back to me on every wave if I sow it in every wave. Of course I'm cheerful. I get to partner with Almighty God. Why wouldn't I be cheerful? When I talk like that, it stirs me up, makes me want to open my wallet more. Why? Because I believe the word. And you're going to see as we teach on this, the connection between faith and joy and how they come together and help you in life. I'm telling you guys, this is good stuff to get into. I was so excited to get into this. All right, we have being cheerful. Cheering is another one. Cheering, singing, dancing, leaping. Those are a lot of words. Now, one of the words for joy in Hebrew is a word gil, (laughs) G-I-L. I know, it doesn't sound very exciting, does it? Gil. But it's a word that means this. It means to joy, to joy, to rejoice. Now, does that sound like a choice? I get to rejoice. In other words, I do it. Sometimes I have to stir myself up. That's what the psalmist said. He, he looked at himself and said, why, O oh soul, are you so down? Why are you acting that way? Sometimes you need to wake yourself up and say, why am I so sad? See, my spirit's not on the inside, so why am I letting it on the outside? Why am I letting it hang on me? You know, like that little, remember the Charlie Brown character with the cloud all over him all the time? Why are you letting it hang on you like that? Why don't you get rid of it? Amen? So it says here, to joy, to rejoice, be glad. Everybody say, be glad. Is that a choice? You can choose to be glad or choose to be sad. Your option, be glad. Uh, Another word is be joyful. Be joyful. Now, in the Hebrew, these words, this word gil, it implies this. It suggests dancing for joy or leaping for joy. Dancing for joy or leaping for joy. Remember the incident with David in the Old Testament? Remember when they were bringing in the uh, Ark of the Covenant? And he was just dancing. And remember, he was so excited and so thrilled. And somebody was was picking on him because his, I'm going to call it a skirt, but the skirt thing that he was wearing maybe got a little bit too high. And here he is, the king, and he really shouldn't be. Well, he didn't give a flip. He was just excited about the Lord. In other words, someone else is all concerned about the religious outlook and how this looks and all. He's just so excited, so passionate. The Bible says, what what about David? That he was a man after God's own heart. And he was full of joy. And he just wanted to express that. And so he danced and he leaped. You ever want to tell the Lord how much you love him and just immediately run out of words? How many ways can I love you, Lord? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. How many ways can I say, I praise you, Lord. I glorify you, Lord. I've, and you start thinking, I don't have any more words. So where else can I go? I don't know what else to do other than I could raise my hand and I could shout and I could sing in tongues and I could, I could do whatever. But the point is I'm expressing what's on the inside of me outwardly. It wants to come out. 
Amen? It really does. The verb for that word gill in the Old Testament, the verb originally meant to spin around with intense motion. Anybody like to show me that? Bet you we get the kids to do it if we prompted them, right? To spin around with intense motion. In other words, what, what does this say about this word, joyful? It totally removes the idea that joy is just a quiet internal sense of well-being. In other words, you could get someone to say, I'm a mature believer, I love the Lord, and I'm filled with joy. Well, if you are, you need to you reserve some time for your face to show it, sir. Because there ain't nothing about you full of joy. I can tell when someone's not been around the presence of God. When I'm around people that are bummed, they just they 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 crack a smile when they see me, but you can tell it's just not it's just not there. It's just they're not filled with joy. I mean, they, they don't have the life in them. They don't have that. And I can tell you lost your joy. I can tell. All I got to do is hang around somebody. And if I hang around somebody that I know is a little more mature and I'm around them, I can, it's, it's immediately evident. They lost their joy. See, what is joy? Joy is this energy. Joy is this life. The Bible says joy of the Lord is my strength. That means it's energizing. It's real. It's not some fake illusion. It's real. How many believe God's real? Well, then that means joy must be real. How many believe God's powerful? What's joy? If joy is emanating from Him, if joy is in His presence, then joy must be pretty powerful. Joy, listen, must and should be expressed. When joy begins to flow, it needs an outlet. And that outlet could be singing and praising and leaping and shouting. Being joyful means what? I'm releasing that joy. I'm letting it out of me. I I want you to see the power in joy and how it can impact even your physical body. Even your physical body. Joy can overflow in our hearts to the point that that overflow begins to manifest in our physical flesh. It actually begins to be impacted. How many would agree you could not be in the presence of God without being impacted? If you're in the presence of God, you're, you're being impacted. Remember Moses, when he went up on the mountain to talk to the Lord? What happened? When the Lord showed himself. And he only showed his backside. Remember, he said, you can't see my face and live, but I'll show you my back parts. <laughs> he came back glowing. Radioactive. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about that. Wow. And I mean, that, would, that, would, that didn't just happen once. I mean, think about that. You're in the presence of God. If God really manifested himself fully in our presence, your skin would crawl. Your flesh couldn't take. That's why a lot of the times, why do you think people fall under the power of God? It's not God knocking them down, guys. It's not, well, the Holy Spirit, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He knocks people out. It's the power of God is so manifested, the presence of God is so manifested that your flesh just doesn't know how to deal with it, and it just knocks out. It just literally just caves under the power of God. Now, we got, what you've got to learn to do is not fake it. I can't believe I just said that. Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. And what I mean is there are some people that do this. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen people do a jig every time. It's the same thing. I've seen people just do this. Or I've seen people immediately. Okay, anybody behind me? Oh, and they fall down. 
stand there and just suck it up. And if you fall, then don't worry about it. You understand what I'm saying? Just what I tell people is, and you'll hear me a lot, I'll say, shut up. Quit talking. And just say, Father, I receive. And when hands are laid on, just say, I receive. And just let it just come on the inside of you until it just overflows. And if your flesh gives in, it's going to be too fast anyway. Some people just literally just, I've seen people just, just, their legs just give out underneath them. It's okay, don't worry about it. But if you're all self-conscious, you guys here? Everything in place? All right, I'm ready. Man, that's just not real. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Everybody say, I love you, Pastor. You want the truth, don't you? But what I'm saying is, that's what it is. I'm telling you guys, I I remember times in my life where the power of God would be so strong. When I was traveling with my old pastor, we would go minister in these places, and and I, I would pretty much do all the catching in most of these little places. And I would be all worn out and done, but I thought, I'm getting me some now. It's my turn. And I, I would just somehow on the inside of me, I learned to receive from the Spirit of God. And I'd, I'd walk down and I'd follow, it's my turn. I'm getting all I can in Jesus' name. I'm just going to suck him dry. And I mean, I'd walk down there and before I'd get right about Jack, boom, I'd just fall out. I didn't even get near him. Pastor Jerry used to finally say, dear Lord, I'm never going to be able to touch you, son, if you never get near me. I'm thinking, I'm not trying to do a thing. And no one caught me. I just would get so far. In the pa- it's like I would walk into a wall of the Spirit of God, and just bam, I mean, just, and I mean, I am soaking in it, soaking in it, I mean, and see, that's available for everybody, but if everybody's so self-conscious, and so concerned about, well, what will people think, oh, dear Lord, why don't you just get all the joy juice you can, amen, why don't you say, I want it all, Lord, I want everything you got for me, I don't care what someone else thinks, Say it with me. I don't care what anyone thinks. Amen. You've got to get there. If you want all of God, you want to see the power of God manifest in your life, you've got to get to the point, I don't care what anyone thinks. I want more. And once you've had a taste, oh, man. Am I right, Larry? I mean, he's got some tastes here and there. And I mean, he's just, mm, that's good. I mean, you ever preach and the anointing comes on you and you're just like, there's something there that I don't have. Oh, man, it's addicting. Am I right? I mean, you know, Will's ministered. You've ministered some. I mean, you can get it when the anointing's there. Oh, my gosh. It's, 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 it's better than anything in the natural. Now, let's look at joy affecting our physical body. Proverbs 17, 22. I'm talking, guys, joy affecting your body like drugs, like natural medicine, like alcohol. Now, Proverbs 17, 22 says, a merry heart. How many believe that's a joyful heart? That's a glad heart. That's a laughing heart. A, a merry heart does good like medicine, like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Now, somebody says, well, okay, broken spirit dries the bone. What is he saying here? Well, let's, let's look at this in another version to help you. Proverbs 17, 22 in the New Living says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Now, what's a broken spirit? You ever heard the expression that they broke that kid's spirit? How'd they do it? You loser, you'll never amount to nothing. You sad, poor, 
I can't believe we were born. I, I just can't. Now, what do you do with someone like that? You can break their spirit. You can break any semblance of them thinking that God could do something with them. That they're worthless. That they're absolutely worthless. Well, what, what is that going to produce? That's going to produce what? Depression. It's going to produce sadness, gloom, and doom over everything. Nothing could ever be better. Now, what happens with a person like that? What does the Bible say? It saps their strength. It literally can affect their physical body. It can affect everything in their life. It literally pulls everything out of you. And that's where the other scripture says dries the bones. In other words, you need certain things in your bones. You need certain things in your physical body so that you have the strength and the things that you need. And believe it or not, sadness and depression can affect it. Now, on the other hand, what does joy do? What does being glad do? Say it with me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. People relegate that. Oh, that sounds so good. Is it literal or figurative? (laughs) Come on, guys. Is it literal or figurative? Literal. Literal. God's saying the joy of the Lord is, say it with me, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, do you have more than one area of your life? There's your physical body, but there's your spirit. There's your faith. There's the words that come out of your mouth. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It will help see me through the difficult challenges. It'll get me to the other side. But what will sadness do? Depression. It'll make me weak. It'll draw the life right out of me. Amen? Remember when I said, what is joy? Joy is the life of God. What did Jesus say he came to give us? His life and it overflowing. In other words, that's joy. Everybody say joy. Man, doesn't this joy stuff sound good? Now, I'm telling you, now, joy, again, is good for you. Being glad, rejoicing, strengthens you. Yet being sad and depressed weakens you. Now, let's look at joy from the perspective of how it can impact us. We looked at how it can impact our physical body that way. But everything the devil offers in this world is a counterfeit. He's never created anything. He has perverted everything God has ever made. Now, God made joy... And it seems like the world came up with happiness. It's a temporary thing. Temporary. How many of you know permanent's better than temporary? In other words, the real thing. Remember when Coke tried to come out with the, uh, what was it, the new Coke? And it bombed. So what did they go back to? Coke, the real thing. In other words, the, the real Coke. Let's get rid of this new thing. That didn't work out. People want the real thing. Well, the devil offers a counterfeit. Everything he offers is no good and always has negative side effects. For example, getting high from drugs or getting drunk from alcohol can temporarily feel good. How many would agree? Temporarily feels good. Now here's the catch though. What goes up must come down. And that's where the pain is. That's where the hurt is. In other words, nothing good comes from, for example, using drugs in that way to get a high, or using alcohol to be drunk. You may temporarily forget about your problems. Now, what does temporarily forgetting about your problems produce? Temporary happiness. Temporary. Everybody say temporary. It's momentary, but guess what? Payback is coming. That short little run, that short little thing of fun, is going to turn and bite 
hard. In other words, what the devil offers, that counterfeit, always leads to death in some fashion or form. Always leads to death. However, the real thing is joy. Joy. Everybody say joy. And joy will set you free. Now, let me show you what I'm talking about. Go to the book of Ephesians or look on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We'll look at 18 through 20. Don't be drunk with wine. How many agree that's a good suggestion? Now, is beer okay? Wait, no, it's so quiet in here. I'm thinking, oh, there's some guilty people in here. Is, is beer okay? So what is it? What's, the, what's the end game here? Don't be drunk. Don't be drunk. Okay, everybody say it with me. Don't be drunk. That's the point he's making. Don't be drunk. In the New Living, it uses plain English. Don't be drunk with... In that day, they, they had wine. Okay, that's what they had for alcohol. So don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. How many would agree? I mean, just go talk to a drunk. <laughs> you doing okay? <laughs> Everything fine? No. Usually what is happening slowly, he's killing his life. He's ruining his life. But look what it says. Instead. <laughs> All right. Everybody say instead. Everybody say it again. Instead. Instead. Say it again. Instead. Now, he, what was he talking about at first? Don't be drunk instead. Don't be drunk instead. Is there something better than being drunk? Now, why do people get drunk? Yeah, to feel better. To feel better. To soothe things. To forget problems. He's like, there's a better way. Don't be drunk instead. He said, don't be drunk with natural stuff instead. Everybody say instead. There's something better. What's that better? Joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. No side effects. And believe it or not, you can get drunk. You can truly get drunk in the Holy Ghost. That's not something I don't necessarily say you should seek for all the time. Oh, Lord. Because there's no promise for that. But we can say here and say, Lord, I, I sure wouldn't mind a time or two. I sure wouldn't. I sure, how many of you would love to have that? Just be drunk in the Holy Ghost. Not everybody put their hand up. Why not? Well, because I'd look like a fool rolling around, looking like an idiot. Oh, so, so you're concerned about what people think. But a minute ago, we all said we weren't going to be concerned about what people think. Uh, you change your mind? So how many want to get drunk in the Holy Ghost? Now, just don't drive after. And you might say, oh, pastor, that wouldn't... Oh, trust me. I mean, I can, I can give you guys testimonies. Guys, six hours still drunk as could be, could not stand. You couldn't, you just get them in a chair and they'd fall back down. I mean, except guess what? No throwing up. No side effects the next day, <laughs> other than their memory. <laughs> like, what happened? I don't remember everything. But I'm telling you guys, you can. Now, let me show it to you. This is don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, everybody say instead. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, who produces joy? The Holy Spirit. Be filled. Everybody say, be filled. Now, there's another translation that would say, be being filled. Be being. Some of you say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I can pray in the Spirit. You can be filled again and be filled again 
and be filled again. You don't have to just be filled one time. Amen? Some of you are dry and need to be filled again. You got the Holy Ghost, but you can be being filled. It can be a continual experience throughout your life. So being filled with the Holy Spirit, look what it says, verse 19. Now tell me, this is what sad people do. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and giving thanks for everything. Is that what sad people do? No. Glad people do that, don't they? Being glad, being joyful. What are they doing? They are singing and praising and shouting and dancing. And they are, they, it's coming out of them. And he said, make melody in your heart to the Lord. That's like somebody who's, the bird is singing on the inside. They're full of God. I mean, nothing else matters. I'm just filled with the life of God. Amen? That's good stuff, guys. I'm telling you. Now listen, you can be so filled with the Spirit that your physical body actually mimics the effects of being drunk in the natural. If you think being drunk in the natural is the devil's idea, you are sadly mistaken. Remember, he's got a fake for everything. He's got a fake for everything. Now let me show you. You remember in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see the beginning of the church age. Remember, and Jesus said what? I have to go... So why? So that the Helper can come, the Holy Spirit can come, right? We call that the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit, remember, filled all the believers. Remember what I'm talking about? Now, I'm just going to give you a little glimpse into that. Acts chapter 2, verse 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if you were to read the rest of this in chapter 2, you fill in the blank, we don't have time now, You'll read where all kinds of things went on and all these different people saw the disciples and they're like, look, they're drunk. Now, they look like they're drunk. They sound like they're drunk, right? So if people are going to accuse you of being drunk, what are you? You're drunk. In other words, you're all over the place. They were looking like they were drunk, okay? And, and so we have this situation and the, there was 120 of them up there. There was a lot of them. And all these people were in town because of the day of Pentecost. And they're all from these different countries. And they hear them and they witness all these things. But they accuse them of being drunk. And Peter gets up and he straightens them out. Okay, Now let's jump right into that. Acts chapter 2 verse 14 through 17. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd that was accusing them. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, guys. In other words, they're not drunk. No, this is what, the, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In other words, what was happening? They were so filled with the Holy Spirit to such an extreme. Now what happens as someone takes an alcohol? What happens if they keep on taking it and they keep on taking it and they keep on taking it? They get to the, a point that they're just past the point of normally holding themselves together, right? Everything might be funny. They might be belligerent. They are falling all over the place and usually don't remember a thing. These are characteristics of that, except with this, this is the Holy Spirit. 
And it's not that the Holy Spirit is making someone drunk for the purpose of being drunk. What happens when you laugh really, really hard? Doesn't it feel good? Am I right? It feels good. In other words, sometimes this, this is God. We even had a wave of this back in the late 80s and early 90s. There were some ministries used of God this way. And, and it was described like this. They would have these laughing meetings where the Spirit of God would manifest and the minister just happened to be used this way. And that spasmodic laughing that they, you know, they would call it being drunk on the Holy Ghost or whatnot. Where maybe they got hands laid on or they were present in the meeting. And they just started laughing. Now, how many of you know, you ever take a little baby and just tickle them? And what happens? They start laughing and smiling. That's like God going like this. Tickle, tickle, tickle. Tickle, tickle, tickle. And you're just... <laughs> And you just can't control yourself. But here's the deal. It's not coming externally. And I've experienced this many times. Many times just in ministering. Sometimes it'll just come up out of me and I'll just start laughing. It's not that I'm laughing because I heard something funny. Sometimes in my mind I'm thinking, come on, Ken, stop. It's like, get yourself together. I'm thinking to myself, your face is going to turn red. Snot's going to start pouring. You're just, you're preaching. And, and, and see, I'm thinking this, and on the inside, I cannot stop. I, it's almost like my stomach hurts so much, I'm laughing so hard. And it's not coming from the outside. It's joy coming from the inside. And God's just saying, you need to laugh, son. You need to get stirred up. But see, how many know that joy is a choice? You can choose that. You can right now say, I want that. I want joy. I want gladness. I don't want to be sad anymore. I don't want depression. I don't want that gunk. I want the life of God. I'm telling you guys, it's just a choice. You have to go ahead and do your part. Just the other day, as I was preparing for this series on joy, I grabbed a book the Lord led me to, and it was on joy. Going to going a different direction, but as I was reading stories in this book, I'm sitting in my office. I'm not kidding you. I'm sitting in my office, and joy is just beginning to bubble up, and I'm just starting to laugh and giggle, and I can't stop. There's nothing funny about what I'm reading. It's just the life of God in the words I was hearing and reading, and as I'm looking at that, and I'm stirring it up, and I am just about want to explode on the inside, and I'm just sitting there not bothering anybody, just reading a book, trying to not draw attention to myself. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, it's so good. That's so good. That's so good. Well, see, I've experienced this many, many times in my life. When I've been anxious or bad news, and I've been focused on the Word of God, and I realize, wait a minute now, I can either let the enemy win and cause depression and focus on all the negative things, or I can focus on God and His Word. Because after all, no matter what the devil does, are we still winners? Look at the back of the book, guys. Where does the devil end up? So no matter how bad it comes out, who are we with and where is he? He's, he's gone forever locked up, and we get to go be with Jesus forever. How bad can it be? I mean, so when you start to stir yourself up and start reminding yourself about how big God is, I'm telling you guys, stir yourself up. You just start worshiping Him and thanking Him and giving Him back His Word. Magnify His Word, not the problem. Magnify His Word. All of a sudden, you'll find yourself happy. And when I say happy, I mean joy. 
Can I choose in the morning when I get up out of bed and I'm ready to get in the shower? This is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. I, I have a choice. I have a choice right there to say, I don't care about all the problems. I don't care about all the issues. They're God's problems anyway. If I, if I really casted all my care upon the Lord, who's got it? He does it. So then why am I not? See, joy is a manifestation of you walking in faith. When you're not walking in faith and you're doing everything and you're the boss of your life, that's why you're tough and sad. Why? Because after all, life isn't that good. I'm the one making the decisions. I'm the one not trusting God. Right? But if, if I'm looking to the Lord, I'm telling you, I am happy and ready to go. Listen carefully. Being joyful, as I said, is a choice. Everybody say it's a choice. It's simply a decision away. It's just a decision. Remember, but you say, I don't feel like rejoicing, Pastor. I feel like life, and you fill in the blank. I feel like, bleh. I feel like I just want to hide my head in the dirt. I feel like I just want to go in a room, close everything up, and sit in the dark. I feel like, and I'm not saying those feelings aren't real, but there's still a choice. There's still a choice. I can choose to say, no, I'm not feeling that way. I, re- I choose to rejoice. I choose to be glad. Again, I'm not saying those feelings aren't real. They are real, but guess how you change them? You start rejoicing, even if you don't feel like it. That's what walking by faith and not by how I feel. And guess what will happen if you keep on rejoicing? All of a sudden, your feelings will begin to change. And all of a sudden, you'll feel like rejoicing. And you'll feel like, why was I ever concerned anyway? Why was I ever sad? Why would I want to be that kind of person? Amen? Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Look, can we bring that up? Nehemiah 8.10. It says, uh, and I, I, I want to read just part of it. All right, look, at, well, actually, this is the part I want. Do not sorrow. So do we have a choice? Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't sorrow. Say it with me. I'm not going to sorrow. I choose not to sorrow. I choose joy. I choose strength. Amen. Psalm 118, verse 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's say it together. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now say it for yourself. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. I choose to rejoice. I choose to be glad. I choose to praise God no matter what I feel or see. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Amen. What is he saying? If you read the book of Philippians, you'll see the word rejoice a lot. That means Paul's saying we need this. Rejoice, rejoice. He's all over. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Rejoice in the good times. Rejoice in the bad times. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Amen. See, I'm a rejoicer. I'm full of joy. Amen. Now let's show the Lord we're